0: Hola mi gente, what up my people, my name is Pastor Rich Cologne. I'm the lead pastor here at Santos Church, broadcasting to you live from Southwest Detroit, Michigan, wherever you're listening from, I'm glad that you are listening, this podcast is meant to do one of two things, and that is either bring you our message content, or it's content that we thought would enrich our message content. We'll have more information at the end of this episode on how you can get connected with us either in person, online, or on social media, but for now, thanks for listening to this podcast, gracias para escuchando esto podcast, and let's get into it, vamos.
1: What up? Can you guys hear me? Okay, okay. You don't hear? Hello? There we go. Shout out to the homies at the top yeah i i I, I want to say you guys are just wonderful. Um, my, my wife and I we were talking about how happy we are to be around just loving people loving family. We'd be able to worship the king together and uh, and its just dope. I mean, you guys are just amazing,? Right? You need to give yourselves a clap i mean i mean it's because it you realize that you know. When we when we do worship together, I mean, it means something when I get to come in and and have these conversations, and and you guys treat us like we've been friends for a long time. And it was a no-brainer, and I think God allowed that to happen. So um, I'm I'm just gonna pray real quick, um, and then we'll get get started. Y'all cool? All right, let's pray. Father, thank you that we get to be here and worship you. So Lord, as We sit in your word, let the words of our mouth and the meditation of my heart be acceptable in your sight, my Lord and my Redeemer. Amen. Amen. Any Marvel fans here? I know Drew is a Marvel fan. Marvel, Marvel. See? See? (laughs) Listen, so I just discovered Drew knows everything about Marvel. And, see, I'm, I'm one of those guys, like, I can hold my own. If you don't know nothing about Marvel, I can tell you some things, and you, you're not going to go and back it up, but I will say it. But Drew, I can't do that with Drew because he actually knows what he's talking about. Um, him and Ashley. Ashley was saying some things. I was like, oh, really? Oh, I remember that. in the back of my mind, I'm like, I've never heard that. It's because they know what they're talking about. Now, now I, I got on the Marvel train late, though, okay? Um, so, I, I, again... Drew and my father-in-law, they can tell you that what's going to happen, uh, like what character is being introduced, and I'm, I would tell you uh, that I love Black Panther. That's, that's it. So, how many Black Panther fans though? Okay, see, that's example. I, listen, I don't know if you went to the movie theater when Black Panther released, but black folks showed up and showed out. We were wearing dashikis and African garments. It looked like coming to America in a movie theater. And I feel sorry for you because we like our movies like we like our sermons. We like to talk back, okay? But, but you know, one of the things about Black Panther that got me was um, it was just a scene of, of showing T'Challa's, like, his the way he ruled his kingdom, the way he moved as king. And the particular scene was when uh, Ulysses Claw, you guys know Ulysses Claw? I know Drew, you can't answer that. He knows who Ulysses you know. So Ulysses Klaw's is, dude, he's like one of the main enemies uh, of Wakanda. I mean, this guy uh, just lives, eat, breathe w- w- to steal vibranium, to steal this power that Wakanda possessed. Like he's obsessed. And so word gets out, he wants to sell some vibranium and, and uh, he, he, he actually contacts the undercover uh, detective and then T'Challa, who was the Black Panther, uh, gets word and him and his homies they go and they go to the stakeout. So of course everything breaks loose and there's they're fighting in the club, There's sisters with big metal rods, knocking dudes out, people are thrown over the banister. Uh, then the, the fight goes outside, there's a, a chase scene and tires are flying. There was a sister on the on, on top of the car while another sister was was driving the car. In Wakanda, I was like, this is crazy. And see, as I talk during the movie, my wife actually hates that. And so she she be nudging me because I'm yelling back. I'm like, get him. And and, and finally, it gets to a a point where you become angry because Ulysses Claw, this is a guy with a prosthetic arm shooting vibranium at people who's killed many for greed. And then sometimes you, you got mad at T'Challa because it's like, man, this brother is he has caused so much chaos and you need to deal with him. And then at the end of this scene, T'Challa is finally about to bring justice on Ulysses' claw. And everybody in the theater like, that's right! That's right, get him! And then T'Challa says, who gave you this weapon? And then Ulysses Claw says, King, mercy. And T'Challa has mercy on him. I don't know if you caught on yet, but I don't want to talk about just T'Challa today. But I want to talk about the king who actually rules with true mercy, with true justice. See, Showing mercy today, if you don't get anything today, I want you to understand that mercy, loving mercy, is about becoming faith. It's about what it means for a Christian to live out and to think, to meditate on what mercy is in light of our King Jesus. So, before we go further, let's actually define what mercy is. He should pull it on the screen. There we go. So mercy is compassion and denote care. empathetic feeling for one another. And I like how Tim Keller actually put it. He says, mercy is the meeting of a felt need of another through deed. Now, I got three points that I want to focus on today, so I want you to stay with me. And those three points of how we view mercy in light of the Christian faith is, one, meeting the needs of others. I want you to look at and think of mercy in light of forgiveness. And also, I want you to think about mercy in how you love your neighbor. So, last week, Pastor Rich preached on Micah 6.8, and he walked us through what justice is, what biblical justice is. And I'm just going to go over and say the verse out loud just so we can remember. And it says, and the Lord has told you what is good and what he requires of you to do what is right or to do justice. But then he says something right after that. He says to love mercy and to walk humbly with your God. And if there's any title today, it's love mercy. So I want to kind of fast forward, right, because we're going to get back to why this prophetic message from Micah 6, 8, means a lot here in the Gospels, because I want to go to Matthew 5, and I want to hear what Jesus actually has to say about mercy. And so we're going to go and start our main scripture in uh, Matthew 5, 1 through 10. And once we have it up, we can start reading. You can pull it up in your Bibles. I'm reading from the Streetlights Bible, which is a New Living Translation. And if you want to follow along, I'm just going to read it. And this is a famous passage of scripture. I know you, we, we actually read it through Palm Sunday and all that good stuff. This is the Beatitudes, what we call them, or the blessings. So, verse 1, it says, One day, as he saw the crowds gathering, Jesus, he went up on the mountainside and he sat down. And his disciples, they gathered around him and he began to teach them. And Jesus says, God blesses those who are poor and realize their need for him, for the kingdom of heaven is theirs. God blesses those who mourn, for they will be comforted. God blesses those who are humble, for they will inherit the earth. And God blesses those who hunger and thirst for justice, for they will be satisfied. But then he says something in verse 7. And God blesses those who are merciful, for they will be shown mercy. See, something is interesting leading up to this point. So before this, Jesus, he grabs the disciples, he, he, he calls them. I mean, literally, as Jesus walks by, hey, follow me. And they drop everything and follow him. It's kind of weird, but they saw something in Jesus. And Jesus, if, if, if the king of the universe, of the, the triune God was to call you, you can't help but to drop everything and follow him. So the disciples, they follow him, and immediately they're on mission. Their discipleship or their residency starts right there at that second. And then they get a firsthand look at ministry, and they didn't know what they were truly witnessing, but what they were witnessing was the king at work. Jesus is healing the sick. He's preaching the gospel, and at the same time, he's kicking down the false doctrines of the religious leaders of this day. Jesus was healing those who had seizures, and he was casting out demons, and he's working miracles. He's telling people who couldn't walk before to walk. Jesus is in every way in the trenches. He's in the hood doing this. And people from all over with brokenness came from Galilee and Judea and from Jerusalem, from all over the place. Now, the reason why the Beatitudes is so significant, Jesus being on this mountain, because he's preaching to a group of people who are considered insignificant in this time. They had been living in affliction and brokenness without the help of the church. These are people who have been cast aside. I mean, they've been forced. Some of them had to live outside of city walls because of their physical condition. A lot of them had medical needs. A lot of them had spiritual, serious spiritual needs. They were the poor, the needy, the disinherited. Now, I don't know if you witness how the poor are treated here in America, but it's funny how we live in a nation that's one of the most wealthiest nations. And we can invest millions of dollars into a city when the Super Bowl and the Olympics come, but we can't uh, put money into a system that will clothe and feed the poor on the regular basis. You ever witness the elderly work their entire life only to spend their remaining years in poverty? Only in America. You ever witness how people on the block for fun beat up the drug addict? You ever heard or witnessed kids bully another kid because mom and dad can only afford one uniform and they don't have a washer and dryer, so, but, but they're getting bullied every day? See, this mistreatment that we're seeing and this cursing has happened to these people that's in front of Jesus at this moment. This was their life. This is what they were used to. But it was something that intrigued the people about Jesus. He was different. He treated them with dignity. His power was different. He didn't curse them as the religious leaders did or as the Roman Empire did. He actually blesses them. Jesus says, Yo, you who are poor in spirit, you're blessed. You mourn, there's comfort, and you're blessed. The humble, the hungry, you inherit the earth, you will be full. Oh, and guess what? You're blessed. But he tells them, too, blessed are the merciful, for you shall receive mercy. Now, the reason why that verse stands out, I kind of feel like Jesus turned his head a little bit, looked at the disciples and said that to them. He was teaching the disciples, blessed are the merciful, for they shall receive mercy. It was a teaching moment for the disciples in this time because the disciples now, these were people who were part of society and part of them was also causing the cursing and they were, they were causing uh, the injustice to some of the people who were listening to this sermon. Jesus was tearing down all of what they knew. He was building a new foundation. Jesus was placing himself at the center of their lives. He was speaking blessing to a people that lived in a a society that was anything but merciful, and now they were experiencing the mercy of the triune God. The Word made flesh, Emmanuel, God with us. Christ the King was among his people. The one that not only shows mercy, but the one that actually fulfills it. Something about mercy in this month, as we celebrate Black History Month, I couldn't help but to understand how um, a people persevered through a godless and hostile system. When we look at slavery, slave masters actually use brutality to scare the slaves so that they wouldn't run away. They also use brutality to pit slaves against one another. And they also believed that blacks didn't have souls, which, in fact, they believed that they couldn't be saved. So there was no need to preach the gospel to the black enslaved. Most of the Christians believed, so they only taught them to love and obey your master. See, the reason why I wanted to bring this up, as we talk about mercy, I want us to understand something about the history and the lack of mercy in the nation that we stand is that all of us would not be able to worship it freely together back in those times. But by the mercy of the Lord, with my feet planted and with the preaching voice, there is a multicultural, multi-ethnic community now in this room because of the mercy of God. And I want us to understand that God has brought us here so that we can be agents of mercy into the world. Now, before we jump in, I want you to understand mercy is, look, it's uncomfortable. It's not easy. Sometimes, if you're like me, I wanted Black Panther to give Ulysses Claw every bit of a beat down, and I probably would have joined in, you know. But 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 mercy reminds us that that God calls us to show mercy to all people. Mercy, biblical mercy, helps us understand how to deal with conflict. It helps us learn how to treat others. It's a huge part about becoming faith. It's a huge part of our confession. And this is leading me to my first point, which is meeting the need of others. So... As Jesus is talking about mercy or compassion, this isn't anything new for uh, uh, the Jewish hearers of this time. Because if we look in the Old Testament, we see that there are many scriptures about mercy. And so this concept wasn't new to them. In fact, Israelites, they were uh, uh, forbidden for, for, from harvesting all of their produce. They had to let the needy come and glean off of the produce before they got everything. And this is in uh, the book of Exodus. And then in Deuteronomy, uh, God tells Israelites, hey, make sure you give to the poor before you give to me. So much so in when we look in Leviticus, God tells the priest, he says, before you give me my tithe, you feed the poor out of it. This is law. I'm talking Old Testament law where God says if it's at this time, if you were to disobey some of these laws, some of these cats were being stoned and put to death. But God was pointing them to something else through this law. Now, I'm not talking about a legalistic view of mercy. You can't earn anything from God except the guilty verdict that was before us before we were believers, because, but, but I want you to understand that this faith is only purchased by Jesus, by faith, by grace, through Christ alone. But I want you to also understand that the reason why it's important to meet the needs of others is because faith without works is what? Exactly. When we look in James chapter 2, we get an explanation of what faith without works is dead in this context. And I'm just going to read a little bit of it. And it says, what good is it, my brothers? This is James talking, who is, they believe, this is the brother of Jesus who has written this book. He said, if someone says he has faith and does not have works, can that faith save him? If a brother or sister is poorly clothed or lacking in food, and someone says, go, be filled, be warmed, without giving them things needed for the body, what good is that? Verse 17, so also faith by itself If it does not have works, it's dead. And then he says something profound in verse 18. He says, someone will say, you have faith and I have works. But James says, show me your faith apart from your works, and I will show you my faith by my works. See, James is saying that we can't walk around here saying that we are uh, walking with Christ without walking in Christ. We can't say that we're following him and there's no care for the poor or for the widow or for the sick or for the elderly. James says, okay, you got faith. I see you. I see your little faith going on. But I'm going to show you my faith by my works. We as the church must be able to treat the drug addict with dignity. We must also understand that serving the poor is much more than giving them something to eat, but seeing them Christ sees them. We are all made in his image. And unfortunately, we live in a society that says, hey, show me your bank account and I'll show you who you are. We we live in a society and they put value on people on what they have. And sometimes we put value on people based on what they can give us. But your bank account didn't buy your future glory. Christ did. See, Christ saw that we are all in need and broken, and he saw our need, and Christ met that need and will meet any need according to his will for you today. Meeting the need of others is important to our confession. My second point, forgiveness. So, I remember growing up... um, I was with my cousin Dion. If y'all know Dion, Dion is a hothead, and I mean, you say anything about his mama, he want to fight anybody. So we playing basketball, and somebody said something about his mother, and I just said, "Oh man, here we go." And a fight broke out, and that fight turned into a bigger brawl, and that bigger brawl turned into beef with some guys down the street. And so Dion and I had beef with these guys. Uh, the name was Andre and Robert. And the beef went on for about a year, two years. I mean, we would look down the street before we go to the store. We walk with each other just in case, you know, we don't get jumped. And I mean, it was it was hate. And every time we saw each other, every time they rolled down the street, they look at us. We look at them. It was nobody forgave each other for what was going on that day. But I remember sitting down with my uncle, and I was telling him, I was like, "Man, uncle, you know, I got." got this beef with these dudes down the street. You know, my, my uncle like, yeah, you know, who, who are the guys? Who are the guys? And I said, I said, okay, hey, uh, the, the name is Andre. And my uncle looked at me. Now, if you know anything about Uncle Tony, cussing was his love language. So he, he started cussing me out. And I'm like, what's going on? He said, Andre is your cousin. And so he made the relation of how we were related. So, so, so and, and that beef was squashed and we was able to forgive one another. But what I am here to tell you today is that sometimes forgiving one another, we have to see ourselves in the context of family. We have to look around on, around this room or on the blocks in Southwest or around the city of Detroit and we have to see that we are all sons and daughters of the Most High God. Forgiveness means that you have to let go some of that bitterness, and if you can't let it go, you have to go and and see somebody some professional help because trauma is real. So I'm not asking you to forget all of the trauma that you have and the lack of forgiveness. What I'm saying is that you must pursue this. In Colossians 3 and 13, it reminds us, it says, forgive each other as the Lord has forgiven you. So you also must forgive. And we must also know that unforgiveness weighs on us emotionally. You ever been so mad at somebody that they walk in a room and you just get mad all over again? You be ready to fight? But I will say that even in your bitterness, even in your trauma, God is with you in that family. When we look at it, if you want an example, David was messed up from the flow up, okay? Okay. One minute he's a warrior, and we see this in the Psalms. One minute he's, he's ready to ride on somebody, he's ready for war, he's ready to take them out. Next minute he's depressed. The other minute he's full of anxiety or he's angry at God. But what he knows for sure is that God is with him through all of that. I want you to know that God is with you. But I also want you to also remember that forgiveness, isn't is just about forgiving other people, but it's about forgiving yourselves. See, a lot of us, we still see ourselves pre-Jesus. We don't see ourselves purchased by the blood of the Lamb today. A lot of us are still seeing ourselves for the mistakes and the trauma we've caused other people. Now, I'm not telling you to stop looking in the mirror and seeing your past, because your past, it determines why you're praising God right here in the now. But what I am telling you is that you have to make it a habit to see yourself buried in Christ and raised to new life and a new creature. Christ has forgiven you, and you are no longer guilty. You're no longer that person in the streets. You're no longer that drug dealer. You're no longer that drug addict. You're no longer that scammer. You are a new creation in Christ. That's why we forgive as Christ has forgiven us. That's why we forgive as Christ has forgiven us. My last point loving your neighbor. Reason why I put this last because I want us to understand that mercy is that we must, we must show mercy, yes, in meeting the needs of others. We show mercy by forgiving one another, yes. But we also must show mercy in how we love our neighbor. You can go and you can sell everything you have and, and, and forgive every... Joe Blow that, that did something against you, but I want you to know that all of that is actually summed up in love. You can accomplish those things without love, but what would that mean? And that's why I want to go to 1 Corinthians 13. I'm just going to read a little bit of it, just so we can understand this point. The Apostle Paul, he says, if I can speak the languages of earth and angels but didn't love others... I would be a noisy gong or a clanging cymbal. If I had the gift of prophecy, if I understood all God's secrets and plans and possessed all knowledge, if I had such faith that I could move mountains but I didn't love others, I would be nothing. If I gave everything I have to the poor and even sacrificed my own body, that I can boast about it. But if I didn't love others, I would have gained nothing. And then in the last verse, verse 13, he says, three things will last forever, faith, hope, and love. But then he says this, he says, the greatest of these is love. See, I want you to understand that if all the things that we're doing, if it's not motivated by the love of Jesus, then we're not doing what we're supposed to do. It's not about also in the context of, man, look, I take care of my family. I love my wife. I love my kids. I'm good. I take care of my responsibility. I, I take care of my day ones. But, but what I want you to understand is that if we're following Christ's example, Christ never had anybody that, that, that stood by his side the entire time except himself. Okay, if you don't believe me, Adam disobeyed God. Cain killed his brother. Noah got drunk. Moses' sin prevented him from getting to the promised land. Joseph was deceptive. Abraham lied. Israel talked against God, made idols constantly throughout hundreds of years. David murdered. Israel went after more false gods. Kings became greedy. Kingdoms crumbled because of disobedience. Jonah fled from God. And the religious leaders, they oppressed the same people who was hearing the sermon in front of Jesus. Peter denied him three times, and Paul, before writing this letter, 1 Corinthians 13, was a guy who actually killed people for believing in Jesus. Nobody stood beside God. He stood by himself. But God still in his mercy and in all of our rebellion says, hey, Have mercy as I have had mercy on you. Love others as I have loved you. And also forgive others as I have forgiven you even today. Even in your full of Christ and spirit-filled self, in all your messiness, I have forgiven you. The people standing before Jesus at this moment, they didn't realize that. The Messiah was there radically changing their lives. And one of the reasons why I wanted to go from Micah, Micah 6 and 8 to, to Matthew 5, because Micah 6 and 8 was a prophetic pushing to what is happening now here in this gospel account of Jesus. Okay? So if we have a history, right, of sinning against God, we can trace that back all the way to the fall. Right? So when Adam sinned against God, God immediately, in all of his mercy and his love, he he promises a redeemer. And now, the people in Matthew 5, they see the redeemer in flesh. When we think of mercy, I believe that it's much more than just giving to the poor. But it's a matter of love. Loving our neighbor as Christ loves us is our example. Showing mercy is essential to our confession as believers. And Christ reminds us that if we say we love him, but we hate our brother and sister, then we got something wrong. Our aim to meet felt needs is to point to the king of mercy so that the poor feel loved and that the unbelievers see Christ's open arms, and that the world would know that we are his disciples by how we love one another. I'm going to ask the band to come up. See, I don't know if there's someone under the sound of my voice that uh, doesn't know who this King Jesus is, but I want to tell you that I don't want you to leave here and then check mark, check box, All these things that you're going to do to earn his love because you can't earn it. He already purchased it for you. I don't want you leaving here saying, hey, man, I got a good heart. You know what I'm saying? I I got all the mercy and all the love. It is Christ that purchased salvation alone. And it's in our confession that we are saved. And we go out and we are agents of mercy in, the, in this world. We are citizens of the kingdom. And this is why we show love. This is why we meet the needs of others. This is why we forgive. This is why we love. And if you want to know more about who he is, we're going to have people on either side ready to pray for you. But I want you to know that Jesus, he offers free love. He offers forgiveness. And he offers mercy. And Jesus says that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. And he offers life today. He wants you to come and taste and see that his love is good and perfect. And if you want to know more about him, we can have that conversation. Family, let's pray. Father, you are good. We are reminded that your love runs deep, that we are all here, different faces, colors, and creeds because of your love and your mercy. And God, you captured our hearts with that great love because, God, we couldn't earn it. We couldn't grab it on our own, but, Lord, you have offered this freely. So, Lord, I pray for everyone here. May you strengthen them, strengthen us. Help us through pursuing forgiveness. Help us to find ways in our our lives to meet the needs of others. Help us to love others better, love ourselves and forgive ourselves better, Lord. Help us in this, and Lord, we know you are patient. God, we're thankful because you are doing such a great work in our lives and in the city and in this neighborhood. And I pray that Santos Church with other believers, we do the work, depending on you, resting in you, and we thank you for all things, and it's in your son Jesus' name, amen.
0: Hey, thanks again for tuning in to the Santos Church Podcast. We hope that you were blessed by what you heard today and that it moves you towards action and greater faith in Jesus. If you'd like to connect with us more, you can find us online at santoschurch.org. And that's also a great place to give if you'd like to contribute to the ministry and our mission here in Southwest Detroit. If you're on Instagram, you can connect with us at santos detroit, or Facebook, and it's facebook.com slash detroit yourself in the-